Hey, I am really excited. We are, uh, for our guests today, we are uh, finishing our series called Valuable, and we are talking about our four core values of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. If you've missed any of them, you can catch them on iTunes or at corechurch.com. I hope that the groups that you've been in for four weeks, tonight's the, uh, and Wednesday night and this week are the final weeks for the, our group series on this where we've been talking about how do we live out these values. Today is such a pivotal value for us as a church because we want to be a people that make a difference in this world and specifically make a difference in our world. And I, I want you to be able to discover who you are and make a difference in your world. We say it every week and we just believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose. You have a purpose in this world. And if there's one guy I know who's discovered his purpose and is living that out uh, strategically, has taken steps of faith to go out and live his purpose and is absolutely radically altering our city and our state, it's Chris Campbell. Would you give Chris Campbell a hand? Come on, Chris. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Brad. Um, don't you guys love your pastor? He's a good dude. Uh, Brad and I share coffee shops all across the city, like uh, having meetings and meeting with people. And, and uh, you know, you guys have um, a pastor that I know not only loves you all, but loves your city and has a heart to see this city reach for Christ. And uh, not only just reach for Christ, but that God's kingdom would come and his will be done as earth is in, on earth as it is in heaven. And, and part of that is why we're here this, this morning. Um, you know, it's really always hard to invite a guest preacher in because uh, you're giving up your pulpit, you're giving a chance to speak to your people. And as a guest preacher, sometimes we have these tendencies to throw these grenades and then run away because we don't have to deal with you guys, you know. Uh, it's not my church, not my problem, see you later, you know. Uh, and so I'm, I'm always humbled and I take it with great um, uh, honor and and just uh, just really go to the Lord when I come and I share, um, because I know it's a great privilege uh, to come and, and share somebody else's pulpit. I want to share a little bit about my, uh, my family, just so you guys uh, kind of see them and get to little know our context. Uh, my wife had read a book once and found this quote, and I think it's beautiful. Uh, None of us know in the halls of heaven what our family picture is going to look like. And, uh, and for me, uh, my family has been grown through lots of different non-traditional ways, uh, we've got some biological kids uh, that we had four of them, and yes, we know how that happens and all those other things, right? Uh, but my, my oldest bio is Corbett over there on the right, and this is an old picture. He's way taller now, and, um, and, and we've got four other bio kids. And my youngest was actually adopted from China. Um, God led us in that process. But then what's been really cool, and this is something new for us, is uh, the young man on the far left, his name's Michael, and actually some of you guys in this church know Michael. Um, he's kind of like our bonus son. Uh, Michael came to our family kind of when he was 19 and got to know his story, and uh, not officially legally ours, but we, we claim him, and sometimes he claims us, and it's just kind of beautiful to see how family is grown and changed, and so whether you're an adoptive family today, or a foster family, or a blended family, or have all bio family kids, uh, bio kids in your family, it's just, uh, I just say, as a part of today and what we're doing um, maybe we'd be open to the spiritual family, physical family that maybe God's leading us to and just not knowing what he's going to do, okay, and being open-handed. Um, so one of the things, I, I do get to talk about kind of living out your purpose today, and, uh, you know, I would say uh, one of the things that's really hard about that is there are so many opportunities, right? 
We live in a world today more than ever that when we're trying to find our purpose, we look at this purpose thing and there's stuff pulling at us everywhere we go. There's opportunities where we go. And probably more than ever, our current society challenge, our cultural challenge, our challenge of our generation is how do we in the world of social media, news, everything that we have, tune off some of those opportunities, okay? And find the right ones and the best ones that lead us to our purpose. And what I love about your guys' church is I don't feel any necessity at all to try to preach on how to help you find that because your church has lots of different things that are gonna help you find that. The Discover classes that happen this next hour that happen once a month in your church, I would encourage you, figure this out, okay? I'm about to hit 40 and, and you know, there, there is a real midlife crisis so that you ask and you say, am I really living out the purpose that I'm supposed to live? And I know all of us, it's a question that all of us wrestle with, okay? And so I would say one of the biggest things that we can do is lean into Jesus and, and lean into our church community and figure out what God has called us to do. And so you guys have classes. If you don't have a mentor related to that, one of the, I, I came on church staff here locally to a local church, and um, it was a big church. And, I, and right when I came on staff, I was like, I, I'd never had a mentor. I didn't know what that looked like. And, and I was like, if I'm going to do this right, I better have somebody that can walk alongside of me, that I can go to, that can coach me. Get, get a mentor or somebody that can walk alongside of you. Get in a small group of people that can provide perspective and community to you. Um, we don't figure out our purpose in a vacuum, okay? It's really easy to say I'm the best basketball player in the world as a 5'8 white boy that can't jump, okay? Um, but you put me in community, and I realize, okay, wait a sec, maybe, maybe this isn't my thing, <laughs> you know? Because I, I start going up against other, and I realize, I, that community gives us perspective, and we need that perspective so much, okay? So today, I'm, I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about how to find your, your personal purpose, your individual unique purpose. But what I did wanna dive into is some of the things that Jesus talked about with purpose, because I think, I think it, Jesus has a wealth of things that he says today to us um, about that. And so one of the questions I like to ask to anybody is, is what do you talk about, okay? Um, because I think sometimes what we talk about reflects what we're passionate about and what we're on purpose about. Um, I'm, I'm gonna use this word. It's a little bit of a strong, strong word, but uh, I, think, I think it has the case. Uh, one of the most damning apps <laughs> that's currently on our phone right now that I think I'm gonna hate is called Screen Time, right? Has anybody seen this thing, Okay. So, because screen time, what it does, you swipe over here in the new update, and, and what does it do? It shows us exactly where we spend our time on our phones, okay? I, I was wondering about this as I was thinking about this message. What if we had a talk time, okay? That, that as we talk, our, our words were put in this category, and they got lumped, and at the end of the day, we got this report. <laughs> How do we do today? And I even thought one more, one more what if we had thought time, okay? Like, like, at the end of the day, you know, there was, there was a list, there was an app that showed us where our thoughts went. And, and what if our wives had access to that? <laughs> and I thought personally to myself, she's going to go, really? You know, like, because really there is a category for us men that says nothing, right? Like, that's like, it would be on the app, nothing. You know, what do you think? Nothing, really nothing. <laughs> that's a possibility, right? And then the other things, you'd be like, really? Okay, really? Yes, I do think about that that much, okay? And for the ladies... Okay, there would be so many categories, so many different things. It's like, how in the, pos in the world in 24 hours can you go down that many things? <laughs> the dudes are like, really? 
okay? And so, so when we look at scripture, when we look at Jesus, he's, he's got plenty of things that he talks about, okay? Plenty of things in finding our purpose. John 15, five, okay? I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, okay? There's some purpose there. There's some purpose of abiding. There's some purpose of doing something. Matthew 6, 9, when he tells us how, to, how we should pray, okay? Jesus is talking to us. He's telling us what's important. He said, our Father who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's important to me, okay? I wanna talk about your, your needs, but as Brad talked about last week, that's stuff that we don't, later in that same passage, Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. Pray about it, talk to me about it, but don't worry about it. And later in that, that passage, 633, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and what? It's all gonna work out, right? So Jesus tells us in our, in our, in our pursuit of purpose, just lean into me. His promise, guys, is he's gonna show us what we need to be doing, where we need to be doing, um, and, and how we need to be doing it. But I came across a verse in Matthew 8 that I thought was really, really interesting. Because not only what Jesus talks about, but what he gets excited about. It's the only, only place in scripture that this phrase is ever used about Matthew. And it's the story of the centurion in Matthew 8, 5. Okay? And if you're familiar with the story, there, there was a, a soldier, a leader in the Roman army that came to Jesus. And, uh, and he had a sick servant that was going to die. And, and he asked Jesus to heal the servant. And, and he said, hey, I, I know your authority. I know who you are. And, and you just need to say it's going to be done and it will be done. And, and the scripture says Jesus was amazed. And I thought about that and my purpose in my life. Would Jesus be amazed at my faith, my calling, the way that I'm living, you know, because I, I think he would say, well done. You know, I, I'm trying to live a well done life. Well done, good and faithful servant. But I want to live a life where Jesus is amazed. By the faith of the church, by the faith of my family. And, and I think that's something that we all should say, you know what? I want. I, I, I don't want just mediocrity, okay? And then later, um, we get to this passage in Matthew 24 and 25. Okay, I'm just taking you through Matthew here. And in Matthew 24 and 25, um, there's a scripture here that just has really rocked me lately. Because it's not just about me, right? It's not just about you. Our purpose isn't just about that. But in Matthew 24, 45, there's a list of parables and different things. But in, in the midst of this parable, in Matthew 24, 45, it says, a faithful, sensible servant is to one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant's doing a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns, okay? And when I read this passage, it really just hit me. It's not just about me and what I can do and what I can accomplish. It's about who I can bring with me, right? It's about who I can bring into the fold of my community, my family, and, and not just kind of give a token gesture to, but have influence over. And what it really led me to in this whole purpose thing and my personal discovery is this kind of phrase. I'm gonna flip it up here, and it's not no longer about purpose to me. It's about the maximum stewardship of my life, okay? Jesus is not asking any one of us to be Jody Guy, you know, and I think on Sundays like this, one of the biggest temptations is, 
we try to live out Jody's purpose instead of our purpose, okay? We think about all that I am forgotten, not forgotten is doing, and we say, okay, how do I do that? And that's not what this Sunday's about, okay? What this Sunday is about is your step of obedience, your next step, whatever that looks like, okay? And so the worst thing that you could hear this morning is, I gotta foster and adopt. Well, maybe, okay? But, but the more important thing I would hope that you hear this morning is, what's my next step of obedience? What is the maximum stewardship of my life? The things that God has given me and called me to, how do I leverage it to the max, okay? And so uh, one of the passages that I think that, that, um, that gets us here is, is ones that you guys talk about often. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back to the very, very basic. And um, that's in Matthew 22. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, okay? So if we're finding our purpose, it starts with that great commandment, okay, to love the Lord. And one of the things I think that we forget about in our American context with this passage is this is a family, communal kind of command. It's not just you, it's, it's for your family. It's saying, hey, core church, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. It's part of the Shema in the, in, in the Jewish tradition, okay? It's a communal command. Listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's a part of the family's command, okay? But then second, that second part of that verse, it says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so this command is to love, fam- love the, your family, love the Lord with all your God, and then love your neighbor, love your community with everything you can, just like yourself. And then, and then we know those things, we think about those things, but I think later what Jesus points us to is the great commandment, which we all know, okay? To go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. And here's what I want you guys to see, okay? Simple, related to purpose. What Jesus is commanding to do related to our purpose, this should be a filter that all of us struggle with and and wrestle with, are we doing, is we go to the stranger, okay? The nations, the people, the people that we don't know, your stranger, wherever they are in your world, and we make them a neighbor, okay? We love our neighbor, and then we make that neighbor part of our family, okay? So this this is the purpose, that all of us have got to wrestle with, that we got to ask, are we doing, are we living out, are we living that amazing faith where we go to the stranger, we bring them in and make them a neighbor by getting to know them, investing in them, and we help them become family, okay? That is the call of scripture, and it's a spiritual call that we are all, we should feel compelled to do. Who are the strangers that God is bringing us to? Okay, if you don't have any strangers, if you're Christian bubble, is so tight that you're not going out to the stranger, we gotta figure that out, okay? The stranger to making them our neighbor, okay? Part of our community to our family, okay? To this family, core church family, to the family with, with Jesus. But the thing, obviously, you guys know what the Sunday is, um, Foster and Adoptive Sunday. I don't think it's just a spiritual call, okay? I, I really don't think God is saying, hey, this is just a spiritual thing. Um, I think it also is a physical, tangible thing. And the next passage that I want to take you into is, is, uh, is what I would say is uh, our great purpose, okay? And that is to stranger, love your stranger, love your neighbor, love into your family. And before I do that, though, I want to tell you a story. Uh, in our city, uh, what's typical is, is there are children that come into care. And I want to tell you a story about one, one young lady, Sophia. Um, Sophia was 12 years of age. Um, she, she's living with her mom, and uh, Sophia and her siblings 
had to be removed from her mom's home because she, she got caught with drugs and got incarcerated because of those drugs. And so Sophia and her siblings have to come out of mom's home because mom is going to jail. And Sophia's family's community um, is not very strong. And so there's nobody that's immediately identified that can help care for Sophia and her siblings. And so uh, Sophia gets pulled in what's called foster care. And, and for those of you that don't know what foster care is, um, it, it's, it's the place it's the place where kids have to temporarily, the, the idea is temporarily go. Um, and, and what I would say with the church is biblical hospitality, okay? They need to temporarily go there um, in hopes that they would be reunified with their parents. And, and in Oklahoma, 85% of the cases are related to some type of abuse and neglect, okay? But, but I'm sorry, all the cases are related to abuse and neglect, but 85% of the cases are really more neglect than abuse. Um, it's, it's just like Sophia's story. It's, it's a situation where mom and dad are pulled out because of some situation or something that's going on. And because of that, the kids are, are, are part, of that, uh, part of that challenge and, and part of the loss and part of the crisis. And so Sophia comes into care, but the challenge in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, even though we do a great job and things are improving in the state of Oklahoma, there's no placement for Sophia in Tulsa County. Uh, there's no place for her to go. And there's especially no place for Sophia to go with her siblings. And so Sophia and her siblings get separated, and Sophia has to go hours away from our community to a foster placement to a stranger because her community is not strong enough, our community is not strong enough, and nobody's saying yes in Tulsa County. Um, a few weeks ago, there were 27 kids on a Friday in the state of Oklahoma that had no place to go. Okay, there wasn't enough. Um, and so Sophia's story is pretty typical. Sophia goes there at no fault of Sophia's, um, no fault of her siblings. Sometimes what happens is that placement can't make. Something happens with the foster family or something happens with Sophia. One of the things we got to remember with foster care and adoption, even though it's beautiful and it's wonderful, there's loss. And, and for these children, there's trauma, there's loss, there's difficulty. For those that have been adopted, there's loss. There's loss of what's if. And so even though there's a lot of beautiful things, it's a little different than the spiritual adoption that we have. Okay, All that loss, we're ready to give up. Okay? We, we want to leave our sin. We want to leave our past life. But with adoption, sometimes there's some, a lot of questions, and, and there's a lot of loss that these kids are going through in both foster care and adoption. And I think as a church, we have to be sensitive to that. And so Sophia is in a home, and, and typically uh, with Sophia and many others, unfortunately in her time, uh, short time, seven months, 12 months, as mom is incarcerated, coming out of incarceration, doing drug court, whatever, um, what's typical, Sophia will be in three to five placements uh, in a seven to 15-month period, 20-month period of time. It's just, it's just what's typical. She won't get to see her brothers and sisters that often because she's so far away, okay? She won't get time with her mom. And what we know statistically is that one of the biggest things that can help mom is if mom's getting to see Sophia, getting to spend time with Sophia because it's a motivator. And, and if Sophia's so far away, Mom is so defeated that mom won't typically uh, get out of that, okay? She just gets broken and broken and broken. But in this situation, like a lot of the situations, mom got out of it. Mom, mom got done with being incarcerated, served her time, and she did drug court. She did everything that she was supposed to do. And then mom gets Sophia and the brothers back, and guess what? She's got to start over. And the life that she had that was dependent on drugs and dependent on certain community for her to make it, for her kids to make it, um, she needs some help and she needs some support. And, and Sophia 
is not going to have the life that she's needing to have or wanting to have to fulfill her purpose unless somebody from her community says, hey, I, I know you guys are strangers, but would you be my neighbor and would you come be a part of our family? And guys, here's the challenge today is we don't know our neighbors. And we're not putting our, one of the challenges about a suburban, and I'll, I'll speak because I, I live out here with you, okay? You're my people. <laughs> I live in Broken Air, off Main Street, Broken Air. One of the challenges that we have as suburbites, whatever we want to call, is we came out here for a reason, right? <laughs> we like our open places. We like our open spaces. We like our not a lot of traffic, okay? But sometimes what that does is we've removed ourselves from the reality that's happening in our community. So what do we got to do? We got to go find strangers, we got to go step into some situations, into some worlds to find some strangers, to make them neighbors, to bring them into the family, okay? And so with Sophia and them, what I really thought was really interesting is it would seem that maybe this foster care is not in the Bible, you know, how does this fit? What does this look like? And I want to take you to Matthew 25, 35, because we, we know this, we know this scripture, okay? Matthew 25, 35, here's what the scripture says, for I was hungry and you did what? I was a stranger. What'd you do? You invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. So what I know about this scripture is a lot of the scripture is talking about the saints, okay? The this, this scripture context is, is talking about those saints in prison, but I think the scripture also has an application in our world for the broken, the vulnerable, the least of these. We see it all over scripture, James 127, um, Psalms 686, God's plan is to bring the lonely into families. Um, and then even Hebrews 13.2 uh, says, don't forget to do what? To show hospitality to the stranger. And I think one of the things that we're forgetting, guys, that one of our biggest assets that we have to make the stranger make them our neighbor, and bring them into our family is our homes. And so one of the things I really would ask, no matter what your context is, whether you foster or adopt, is how are we leveraging our homes to be the place that we live out our great purpose, okay? Who's, who's the stranger that you've invited in to, make your, to be a neighbor, okay, to be a part of your family? And there's something about when you bring a neighbor into your home that they begin to see the pictures on the wall, they begin to learn the stories, they share a meal, and guess what happens? They stay a little longer, sometimes more than we want them to, right? <laughs> they start coming around like Michael, and <laughs> they never leave, okay? And strangers become neighbors and become family. And so my encouragement to you today, my challenge to you today is, is Matthew 25. You know, how, how could God use your home Use your church for the sake of the gospel, okay? And here's my other big question. What if? What if the reality for Sophia was different? What if instead of many homes in a faraway county, Sophia went into one home that was in her community? And, and Sophia got to stay with her brothers and sisters. And Sophia learned what it was to have a functional family. Okay? Not a perfect family, but a family that was trying to make it work. A family that didn't yell and scream at each other. A family that didn't resort in violence when they had a conflict. 
a family that wasn't dependent on drugs, a family that had margin in their life, just even a little bit of financial margin where the electricity stayed on and the water stayed on. And they could see the biblical hospitality of the church. They could see the community of support. Because you know what? My kids will never have to have this fear. We'll never have to have the fear of what they were because uh, of the community. Your kids, because of your church, because of your community, because of the family of God, should not ever have to have that fear. But kids in our community have this fear. And they need to know what biblical hospitality looks like. They need to know the love of a consistent family. And what if foster care wasn't a strange thing? You know, one of the greatest things that I would love is I would come into a church and be like, why are you preaching on this? This is just what we do. And this is, and, and part of my intimidation coming here this morning, this is what you guys do. But I don't think we're done yet, okay? And I don't think we're done yet because I think there's still kids in the community that need a different reality. And, and what's really crazy in the state of Oklahoma, and this is, this is part of our vision, this one 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 idea, is if one church brought one, just one, new foster adoptive family every year, okay, for this one purpose, we would have way more than enough. Not just would we have a little bit of enough, we would have way more enough. Actually, the state of Oklahoma says we need 1,000 new families every year. Guess how many churches in the state of Oklahoma there are? Anybody know? I'll show you here in a second. But this is a great opportunity. Go to the next slide. Click down. I think this is a great opportunity for the church today. And, and I know this is kind of weird to think through. But I think maybe the greatest opportunity for the day for the church to show what we're about versus what we're against and, and what we see, want to see transformed is child welfare. And you see it in Matthew 25. And slick over one more side. This is the number, okay? Well, actually, let me talk about the stats. I, I messed up on my slides here, okay? Oklahoma, 8,400 children in care. Keep on going. 198 youth about to age out of foster care, okay? So that seems like a lot, but keep on going. 1753 are out of their home county. Over half the traditional foster care placement count, uh, community, uh, kids in foster care, are away from their home community, okay? Keep on going. Uh, one more slide. Keep on going. 198 about to age out. Keep on going. 615 children currently in the state of Oklahoma need to be adopted, okay? Right now are available for adoption. Click through. 91 children in shelters statewide. Now, here's what I, here's what I want you guys to feel the weight of. That seems like a lot, but when you go to Adair County or you go to Delaware County, it's like two of that. So for the whole county, there's two kids that need to be adopted. There's one kid to be about to age out. So when you break it down to the local level, guys, this is a solvable problem. And then go to the next slide. This is what I've been trying to get to for this. There's 6,700 churches in the state of Oklahoma. There's more than enough. There's more than enough churches. There's more than enough families. It's not something that we look at and go, how do we solve this? We can. Pragmatically, we can. And even more than that, we can do it because of Jesus and the amazing faith that he's calling us to. Okay? Next slide. I wrestle with this, this quote a lot. Okay? I love A.W. Tozer. Um, but it's a challenge. The, the church will only be as great as their conception of God. And so when we look at any situation, we go, man, I don't know if I could do that. My fear's holding me back. My capacity's holding me back. I, I just, I don't know if I can. And then I think what we have to look at is, okay, what do we believe about our Jesus? 
what do we believe about our God? Because I think what God is saying, we can do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever think or imagine. Do we believe that? Are we walking in that? And so I know you guys have pushbacks to this. I know all of us have challenges. And I guess what I'm going to ask you today is wrestle with what's your next step? What does that look like? And pragmatically, strategically, I want to give you a couple ideas, okay? And first of all, because I think for a lot of us, we feel this call or this ask to take the polar plunge, okay? Like, hey, just dive in the water. It's going to be awesome. And it's freezing, and we might lose a limb, you know, and that's going to be okay, all right? That's not what I'm asking this morning, okay? I'm, I'm not asking you to take the polar plunge. Some of you need to take the polar plunge. Some of you need to start opening up your homes. There's some of you that are empty nesters. I'm going to pick on you, okay, uh, humbly, okay? But the biggest battle that you're having is the mole in your front yard, okay? <laughs> Trying to kill it, okay? And we need you. We need the greatest generation, okay? We need your mentorship. We need your wisdom. We need your expertise. And there's some kids that are saying, hey, I don't want to go with that young family that has babies. They'll wreck it. <laughs> but they need one loving adult that's willing to spend some time with them, to go down to the Tulsa Boys Home and mentor them once a week. They're, they're one loving adult away from seeing their pathway completely different, okay? And so what I'm gonna ask you today is maybe take some next steps. What do those next steps look like for you? What is your next step of obedience? And, and one of the things that all of our next steps in is in pray. I know for me, I was an ignorant pastor, okay? I was, a, I was a pastor at one of the largest churches in the city, and I didn't know about this crisis in my backyard. I had to have a church member that says, hey, come down, let me show you the shelter, I grew up here, this is my home, I graduated from Union. I didn't know about it, I needed to become aware and I needed to start to pray about some of these big things that are happening in our community. Next thing, guys, we need to give some of our stuff, all right? And I know we talk about that in the church a lot, <laughs> you know, about giving and tithing and offering, but we need to give our stuff. Do you know why? Do you know why this is the first step of, tithing is the first step of obedience for a lot of you? because you can get more of it. We should not be afraid of some of these things. If we're wrestling with what our next step of obedience is and we can't get past giving, guess what? We're not gonna advance in our journey with Jesus because we have to trust the Lord with the things that we can get more of, we're okay giving away, okay? So your money, your stuff, your things, um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now, right across the highway, I'm not talking about 412, I'm talking about 169, um, through our ministry, we have this thing called the Care Portal. DHS makes these requests for families in our community. And one of the requests that just happened on October 15th that we sent out to our churches is there's, there's an aunt that decided to step in to fostering her nieces and her nephews. Now, her nieces and her nephews have been in foster care for seven months, okay, already been in. So I, I don't know the situation. I don't know why, aunt, why she didn't jump in earlier, but... For some reason, these children got removed from their home. They've been in foster care. They've already been in four different placements in the seven months. They've been separated from each other, and the aunt said, enough. Okay, I'm going to step in. Now, one of the things about kinship foster care, when family jumps in, they didn't plan on it, like Brad and Laura. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to be a foster parent. No, it's like they got a phone call, okay? And so oftentimes what happens with that, they aren't ready. They don't have all the things. And what DHS is saying, hey, this is the first time these kids have been all together, the kids are loving it. They love being back together, but we're concerned that the aunt is not going to make it. <laughs> and so let's help her. 
And so they're teeing up an opportunity for the church and saying, hey, I think the church could come in and help her with some bedding. I think the church could come in and help her with some clothes. I think the church could come in and help her with some stuff to make sure that that placement's successful. She's right across the highway. I don't know her. I just know that there's an opportunity. And I guess what I want to communicate to you guys is, does she really just need the stuff? Is that what she really needs? She needs the support. And so the next thing I want you to see, some of us need to give up some time. We don't just need to write some checks. We need to go pick up that bedding and take it to her, right? We need to go meet her in her place of crisis. And we need to say that the Lord loves you. The Lord, how can I pray for you? Hey, do you know that there's a community right across the road here that wants to bring you in and not just give you stuff, not just spend time with you, but what? Keep on going. I want you to be a part of our family, okay? Stranger to neighbor to family. There's opportunities all around us, guys, but we just gotta be willing to take those next steps of obedience and what that looks like. And so for some of you today, it may be sponsoring one of the youth that, that the guys have through I'm Not Forgotten and saying, you know what? I'm gonna give up some stuff. I'm gonna give up some extra and, and I'm gonna build a relationship with a youth that needs a loving adult, okay? Um, it may be, we, we need an advocate at your church for our care portal ministry. I need somebody that's just willing to coordinate, okay, to help us pull pieces together and coordinate people. So, so this family, so the Sophia's, can experience the love of Jesus Christ in their community. But for some of you today, um, I think the challenge is gonna be that you need to give of your family, and here's my promise to you. My experience, after being a pastor, and I know Brad would say the same as pastor, when we start in this journey, here's, here's what happens. We don't realize it, but our view and our faith in Jesus is small. And as we start to surrender and we start to give up of ourselves and seek ye first the kingdom, guess what happens? Jesus gets really big. Because you know what? We come to a point in our journey where we know if he doesn't show up, we're in trouble. If he doesn't change the heart of this mom and free her from her addictions, we're in trouble. These kids are in trouble. And we get desperate, guys. We get on our knees we say, Jesus, you got to come. And guys, I think the problem with the American church today is we become complacent and there's not enough stuff that we're bumping up against. And we're saying, Jesus, unless you come. And so my challenge to you today, okay, my encouragement to you today, take that next step, whatever it is whatever the purpose is, the calling is, the journey it is. And guess what, guys? It is exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. Right? Amen? It's exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. And there's no other place that we want to be. There's no other place, you know, people talk about going on a mission trip. There's no other place than safer than being in the center of God's will. There's no other place than opening our homes in obedience to Jesus to strangers, even though that seems crazy than being in the center of God's will and what he's asking us to do.